Hello, this is Siri, and you're listening to my favorite podcast, Not Real Art. I live for this shit because it's totally lit. Not Real Art, the podcast, Siri's favorite art and culture podcast with the renowned man one. <laughs> and Mr. Sourdough, who we all know and love. People love sourdough. They do love sourdough. Like me, it's an acquired taste, so I feel like the name fits, you know? Yeah. Got another name for you. Another name? <clears throat> well, not for me, but I mean just a name. Oh, okay. Banksy. Yeah. You can go with Banksy, too, if you want. Well, no, I'm saying like, <laughs> you know, it's been a big, uh, interesting uh, week uh, for Banksy. Right. Well, anytime his name's in the news, it's he's doing something big. He doesn't do small shit. That's for sure. He's not small C. He's Banksy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, he's a trip, but I guess you're referring to the, the auction house self-destroying art piece that he put on auction. Girl with a balloon, little girl with a balloon, yeah, something like that. Here's what I want. Yeah. I want him to start selling those frames. Yeah, there you go. That's the fucking, like, yeah. sell those fucking frames. Right. You could be a fucking millionaire just based on, like, marketing frames that shred the shit on demand. <laughs> dude, dude, you have a picture of your wife? <laughs> And then you get, and then you get divorced. You get divorced, and you just fucking hit the button. That's fucking genius. How genius is that? Banksy shredders. Banksy shredders. Wow, that'd be amazing. Yeah, that's a good point. Get <laughs> Banksy. Oh man, I don't even know where to start with this. Well, see again. I think like this is one of those stories. Yeah. That really fits nicely within the context of not real art. Right. I mean, this was. Absolutely a, a jab, a finger, a, a punch, a kick into the world of quote unquote real art. Right. But it's more than that too. It's it's For kind sure. of weird because it's the funny thing was after it happened and it was all over the media and all over the Twitter and everywhere else. When I heard people still believing that Banksy had actually pulled one over on the auction house. Right. Like it made me laugh because, <laughs> and I think that's exactly where the genius of Banksy's statements are, is that they live on so many levels. Right. right. Yep. Because there's the action he creates and then the reaction people have to it. But then there's another reaction that's deeper than that, that's rooted in people's beliefs and in what they think is real or not real. And that's where it all gets fucked up. Yep. You know? So I had artist friends who still thought like, oh, wow, fuck, he's a genius, you know. That's great. He did that, and he's telling these people to fuck off. And then I'm like, well, you realize the auction house had to have, uh, you know, worked with him to make this happen. And they were like, no, 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 they didn't. No, he just did it. Yeah. yeah okay, right. he just did it. And then there's obviously other people who are just like completely cynical and just like, yeah, fuck that. You right. know, there's obviously done this way, whatever. But it's just so it's that's his genius is that he's able to his art works on so many levels, you right? Know? And it's very simple, really. Yeah, all all his work is very simple: a fucking stencil, a fucking you know a shredder, <laughs> whatever it is. It's, but it's just the way he does it, and a lot of thought behind it. So, you know, 
I'm a fan. I like Banksy. You know, we talked about this on an earlier show vis-a-vis Burning Man. I mean, yeah. it's about context, right? Right. His art is very simple, but but he puts it in or activates it or places it or whatever in in certain situations right. that creates this exponential yeah. impact. Yeah. You know, what what a gift to the buyer, right? It had just sold I read in the paper, right, to this uh, European collector over the phone, 1.4 million, right? And as the story goes, at least in the press, right? Yeah. It was a little unclear at first as to whether or not the woman would want to keep the peace. <clears throat> but of course, she has decided to keep the peace, <laughs> you know? And it's like, wow. What a gift. It just, she paid 1.4 for something that was instantly made more valuable. Right. Well, if you're believing that she actually paid or if you're believing that she didn't well, know she was in it, on it. Or if you're believing there was a she. I mean, it, it could all be a ruse. Yeah, you it's know? all. It's, it's, you all know? it's all fucking fake. So you think the buyer was even. I think, I think the whole thing is, 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 dude, if you just sold a piece. For one point four million, mm-hmm. think think of it, you're the auction house. Yeah, if you honestly just sold a piece for one point four million, and then it gets fucking destroyed as the fucking money's being wired over, you would have a holy shit moment, right? You wouldn't be like, oh well, whatever, you know. You would be like, we're fucked because we got to give this money back, or she's gonna sue us, or. All kinds of shit. Okay, so, so all right, so let me stop you because I'm thinking about this and the truth of the matter is, as, you know, because I agree with the premise. I agree that it was, quote unquote, an inside job. Yeah. Okay, totally. I, do, I do agree with that. I'm not arguing with that yeah. at all. But that being said, it could only be trusted with like one or two people, right? Like very few people were in on it, Right. The right people, the yeah. very the minimum number of people were in on it. The right people on the Sotheby's side, and then this, to your point, probably this was so-called female collector out of Europe, yeah. right? You'd have to limit the people that were in on it because the leaks and the because as soon as it, it becomes verifiably an inside job that was contrived, it, the mystery is great and leaving people guessing mm-hmm. and stuff like that's part of it, right? Right. But like as soon as the truth broke about. Sotheby's was in on it. The buyer was a plant and it was all laid out. Then the excitement and the sort of buzz around it would deflate immediately. Right. Yeah. Every single auction at every single auction house is contrived. Sure. Oh yeah. Sure. Right. 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 Everyone knows what it's going to sell for. Everyone knows who's going to buy it. Everyone knows. And what I mean, everyone is people in the inner circle Mm -hmm. at those places. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. so I don't think it's anything different than that. I, it reminds me of uh, what was that guy? Was it uh, Wynn? Steve Wynn? Steve Wynn, Wynn, yeah, right. When he bumped into his Picasso, yeah, he like tore a hole in the <laughs> Picasso, right? Yeah. Well, that shit wasn't worth more money <laughs> at that point, right? You know, the sale didn't happen. You know, that was really a oh shit moment, right? You know what I'm saying, right? So yeah, I don't know. It's just, I mean, it's just it's brilliant. No matter no matter how much of it is true or not true, it's kind of all. It doesn't matter. It's theater on a huge scale. Is it performance art? Of course. Yeah. I mean, I've always said it. Banksy, to me, is a performance artist. He's not mm. a 
good painter mm-hmm. or he's not a I mean not that he's that bad painter I'm not saying yeah. I'm not I'm not judging his painting either way well he, I don't think he positions himself as a painter no right he's not billing no. himself as a painter but he does he does position himself as a graffiti artist but I think it's it's in the stunt mm. that his graffiti lives you know you know so it doesn't matter if it's a spray can or whatever it is it's the performance he, mm. he creates around it. You know, even if you go to, you know, I'm going to his show and I mean, he's brilliant. You know, the, the, he had the big giant elephant in the room, right? Like <laughs> literally in the, the big, room. You know? I love it. And <laughs> so good. The whole thing became about, this is an artist who's painting on elephants and PETA was all over him and it became this whole thing. And it was brilliant. It's the fucking elephant in the room as he's talking about graffiti. But no, they were focused on the fucking painting of the elephant. So um, it's performance, yeah. 100%. And uh, he's a genius at it. And I also don't think he works alone. I also, you know, he has a crew or people or whatever the fuck it is that he, you know, however many people work together. But he's a great performance artist. Is If he does have a crew or a staff, and we know some artists do. I mean, Jeff Koons, for example, is yeah. famously, you know, employing fabricators and artists that realize his concepts any any major artist now right any major artist does that make them less of an artist no no it just but there is like for example is it coons or hearst one of them like doesn't even create his own ideas anymore i think it was i think it was damien hearst really was it damien hearst or coons I, i i'm i'm forgetting but one of them just like will take ideas from from his staff like they'll create a piece of art and just he'll sign off and on it. And put his name on it. And put an oh, that's a good one. I'll put my name on it. So it's probably Coons, I guess I would say. I don't know. But that's also a big discussion, right? Like in the art world is like at what point is does that art lose its authenticity? How many degrees of <laughs> of art helpers do you need before it it's no longer your work? I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I know I hire assistants, mm-hmm. you know, but their assistants that I have, I have the idea and they're helping me f- complete my idea. And that's what I pay them for. These guys are doing it on a big scale. They have hundreds of people working for them. Yeah. But your, your assistants feed you bonbons and, you know, get you your, yeah your fine wine and cheese. <laughs> yeah, of course. You know, cause you, you know, that's how you roll. That's how I roll. <laughs> that's how I roll, roll. I don't know. I mean, it's Murakami does that and all these guys. So, in a hundred years, what will they be calling this, the art form of, of Murakami and Banksy and you know, Retina or whatever? I mean, is it, is it going to be pop art? Not real art. That's what they're going to call it. <laughs> <laughs> it's contemporary art in the truest sense of the phrase, contemporary, because these are living mm-hmm. artists, contemporary yeah. artists doing, you know. But on some level, like Banksy, it breaks through into pop culture. Right. right. So there's a performance part to it. You know, there's an entertain entertainment element to it. Yeah. Right. Coons's art has an entertainment element to it. Causes art has an element entertainment element to it. I don't know. I mean, what are the historians gonna say about this era? Right. Who cares? Who <laughs> <laughs> <I don't> cares? <laughs> True that. True that. You know, it's one of those things is like I remember when I was in college and I was studying art history and reading all these books on all these artists and all this kind of shit. And I was like, man, one day I got to be in the history books. That's, that's what's important. Got to be in the history books. So then I remember after college and just like, 
how do I get in history books, right? Well, I got to show here and show there and get in museums and get in collections. And, and the more I ventured in that direction, the more I just didn't want to do that. And the more I saw the the bullshit behind it. Mm-hmm. And then finally I realized one day what it really is about. And it's not about being a good artist and getting in the history books. It's about writing the history books. <laughs> That's what it's about. Is you got to be able to actually write the fucking book and put your name in it. And that's it. Then you're in the history books, you know? So, I mean, that's that's the future of what's going to happen is whoever the quote-unquote art historians are are going to be the people that, that are writing the books right now or are going to be writing the books. And now it's not even books. Now it's like, it's all digital. Who knows? But it's such a, the art world is just so fucked up and such a, like, I have no aspirations of really diving into the art world. Like, like I want, like, I want to be part of this art world like i don't i just want to do what i want to do and and that's it and so these big dreams i had you know as a youngster about being known for decades later and 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 having all this stuff written about me as you know all that's kind of faded yeah but the irony is that as that desire has faded in in you i think it's if for no other reason the fact that you are in the book at Getty, right? Forgetting the name of the book. Yeah, the the Getty Black Book. Yeah, Getty Black Book. Yeah, the a more what is it called? The I was it's the fucking labor whatever. I'll remember it. Okay, but <laughs> I can't remember whatever say it. it's called. <laughs> the point is, yeah, you are in the history books. Yeah, that's a history book, right? The Getty Black Book, the Getty Museum is the history in the making, right there. You were invited, so yeah. So the point is, is that you accomplished your goal on some level, right. that goal is accomplished. But I think to your point, the you know, the point you're making, my word's not yours, but you got to a point where you said, you know what, I just got to do what I want to do. Right. And let the other shit take care of itself. Right. Right. Because if you're true to yourself as an artist, if you're following your intuition and making choices accordingly, everything will sort itself out. Right. Right. And and also it's like uh, it's a different time we're living in, you know, back you think of Picasso, you think of some of these other artists and, you know, there was a time when artists would just full time paint and that's it. Mm-hmm. And either they got discovered or not discovered, either they went down the books or not. But now you're living, we're, we're living in a situation in a, in a time where it's not so linear anymore, you know, like myself. I mean, I'm a commercial artist. I'm an illustrator. I'm a fine artist. I do all kinds of shit, you know, and there's there's so many artists like me that are dabbling in all kinds of stuff. And so it's not so linear anymore where you can put someone in a box and be like, oh, they just do this kind of thing, you know. And so maybe that's, if we're talking about the future and when people looking back, I mean, this is this is the era where artists branched off, I think, and became, because, you know, you use the word pop, right? Like pop art. Well, when Andy Warhol and people like that were doing shit, artists weren't really allowed in that arena. Or if they did, they were, their title of artist was taken away, you know? And so that was what was interesting about Andy Warhol. He was like blurring that line. So we're beyond that. Like that line has been blurred. 
And so what we're doing is something else. And I don't know if that's pop anymore because it's so many other things. I don't even know how to describe it. And that's that's part of the part of the reason that I don't know what the hell they're gonna say in the future because So what so what does and consider this question and answer the question and I'll tell you why I'm asking it. You've studied fine art, you've studied art history, you've studied the, the academic books about these things. So in your own words, how would you define folk art? To me, folk art is something that's usually regional and that has to deal with people who are creating art who necessarily didn't study it. They're not artists who went to school to become artists necessarily. Maybe they have another trade or don't even consider themselves artists, but somehow they're creating something that, again, that's another term for folk art is outsider art, mm -hmm. right? So it's like these people are creating stuff that most people wouldn't consider art necessarily. And maybe they, maybe they, they themselves wouldn't consider it art, but they're creating anyways, you know, and whether it's sculpture or whether it's paintings or whatever, there's kind of a real crudeness to it. You know, to be honest, like I, I look at a lot of folk art. I have a collector who collects a lot of folk art from like um, Louisiana and stuff like that. And he loves it and he's totally into it and, and, and goes and finds these artists and loves meeting them and hearing their stories and all that stuff. And most of them are, are probably black artists that he collects. But to me, when I see folk art, like I'm not interested. <laughs> it doesn't do anything to me. It doesn't, it's not appealing. For me, it's like a, you know, just a preference. So, but you, the way you describe folk art, mm -hmm. just broadly speaking, yeah, one might argue that the criteria that you listed apply to graffiti. Right. Yeah, I could. So is graffiti a folk art? And if not, why not? Well, I mean, when you start getting into terms and terminology and shit like that, there's, you know, you can argue it forever, but I call it graffiti and that's it. Mm -hmm. Like... I don't like all these other terms for people using it like, oh, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. No, it's fucking graffiti. Right. Because it's very specific because, sure, a lot of the stuff that I just mentioned about folk art can apply to graffiti. You know, I can see that. But then there's a whole bunch of other shit that has nothing to do with folk art, you know? Mm -hmm. The one thing that you didn't say about folk art that mm -hmm. I thought maybe you were going to say, which would have been a core difference, say, between folk art and graffiti, yeah. is that folk art typically has, and I don't know if this is true, but I yeah. thought maybe you might say this because when I think of folk art, I think yeah. of it being is primarily coming out of rural areas. Totally. And yeah. uh, graffiti art obviously is not coming out of rural areas, but urban areas. So right. to me, that was a key difference that I wondered about, you know, to what extent is folk art inherently or intrinsically rural right. in nature? I don't know. I'm just, just a yeah, thought. Yeah, I'm no expert on folk art. I mean, I don't know shit about it except what I've seen or read. Oh, you're working with toothpicks right now. Yeah, that's you're true. building a you're building a structure right now with toothpicks. <laughs> I call that fine art. Um, <laughs> no, no, but you're right. I, and I agree. Look, I agree well, with you. Oh, you. Well, you know what's yeah. funny yeah. is is that this conversation came up because right. I was just at a gallery the other day. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna look this artist up because we might as well give him a shout out. Oh, by the way, the the Getty book. Mm -hmm. is the Liber Amarcorum. So Easy for me to say. L.A. Not. Liber Amarcorum, which is... Liber Amarcorum? Which is, it's, uh, translates to uh, the Book of Friends. Ah, so, nice. I like that. 
I like Book of Friends better than Lieber Amakaram. I, you know, it's too. Sound like you're speaking in tongues. Yeah, it is. So, um, but anyways, the other day I went. I was in Chinatown and I checked out a few galleries, but I was checking out the Good Luck Gallery. Good Luck Gallery, yeah, yeah. And so just popped in, see what they had, and they were showing a folk artist. So it's okay. it's funny you mention it. And this guy's name is Willard Hill. Willard. Hey, what up, Willard? Yeah. And so, and I think she said he was from Tennessee. Been there many times. I wonder what part. I think that's what she said. I hope I got that right. But anyways, you know, here's a bunch of his stuff. Yeah. It was like he used tape. Right. To create sculptures. Like just tape. He would just tape stuff together and then use like his wife's mm-hmm. nail polish and mm-hmm. stuff like that to mm-hmm. paint it. Mm-hmm. And he didn't start creating as she told me in the gallery, he didn't start creating art or sculptures till like he was in the sixties. Wow. Like I guess wow. he was in the hospital or something uh-huh. like that and then had nothing to do and decided to just start wow. <laughs> putting Anything. tape together and creating Love sculpture. that story. Yeah. So, you know, so that thing that's exactly what comes to my head when I think of folk art, right? Sure. Is the, that's exactly what I think of someone who didn't even consider himself an artist who all of a sudden is doing something that's creative. And right. what was also interesting was the conversation I had with her. I believe her name was Phoebe, the director there. She was saying, you know, that their gallery focuses a lot on showing that type of art, folk art and other types of art. And, you know, they don't really focus on like graffiti or street art or whatever. But, and, and she was saying, well, I wonder why folk art isn't as big here as another, you know, she and, and her own answer to it was that because LA is so big on other types of art like street art or whatever else that there isn't a lot of room for folk art or or whatever but I think it's more than that I think it's like I said it's regional and Mm -hmm. and it's something that like like definitely I think of places like you know Louisiana and Georgia and things places like that when I think of folk art so who knows exactly what it is but when you see it in a gallery like in Chinatown, it's so it's so out of context. Yeah, that I think either you're gonna love it or hate it. I think right because you definitely are not gonna see that just anywhere right. in L.A. Right, but if you're into that, then you got your little niche, you know. So you know, and I only bring this up. I'm stirring it up. I'm I'm bringing it up to stir it up. Yeah, because you said a minute ago something that really resonated with me, which is like. You said something about you, know, you bring up labels, you talk about labels, you know, debate a lot of things, you know, you know, I bring it up because, of course, with a name like Not Real Art, yeah. it poses the basic question. Well, what what does that mean? What is art? What is real art? Yeah. Is, is there such a thing? And I can understand that as we look back on history, right, mm-hmm. we have to somehow organize the art. Yeah. Right. And labels help you do that periods, whether it's a time period or whatever. And now this time period, call it 21st century era. Right. It is this explosion of, of creativity and production. And there's so much mashing up. Right. Right. There's so much blending and mashing up of, of genres of aesthetics of technologies of things that labels start really failing because they become too narrow or they become too, you know, and for me, I've been thinking, you know, about this vis-a-vis not real art and just 
you know, conversations I've had with people, people want me to explain why not real art and what have you. And it's like, well, you know, fundamentally, I believe anyway, mm-hmm. that, you know, there's no such thing. It's a joke, right? It's satirical. There's no such thing as real art. Right. There is only art. The question is, is it accessible and does it move people? You know, like, like, yeah. does it move you? What moves you? Right. And whether it's good or bad, that's a relative debate, whatever, you know. Now, is it is it different and new? Is it unique? Is it something, is artists saying something that's never been said before? Okay, that's mm-hmm. a slightly different conversation, maybe more of a, a cerebral critique, academic conversation that gets to history and what has come before and so on and so forth. Yeah. But in the now, for people today, it's not too dissimilar from when people talk. You know, people talk about wine. It's like, oh, you know, they want to critique the wine and break it down and taste like this or taste like that. Reminds me of this. Reminds me of that. Yeah. You know, most people will tell you, "Fuck that." You know, do you like it? Does it taste good? Right. Right. And I feel the same way about art. It's like, who gives a shit about the label? Do you like it? Does it does it resonate with you? Does it move you? Yeah, that's true. And so, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm absolutely not trying to pigeonhole or label anything. I actually, I want to f- almost, I think I'm getting to the point where I just want to call it art. Yeah. Yeah. Call it art and then let the artist and the viewer, the potential collector could, you know, decide if it's good, bad, if it moves them And And by the way, is it accessible? At $1.4 million, that fucking Banksy piece is not accessible, you right. know, except to a very rare port, you know, and I, most of the artists I talk to, while they would like that kind of money, maybe at yeah. the end of the day, they really want people to own their art Yeah, and they want people to buy their art. And while $1.4 million payday, which of course, you know, very little, you know, maybe I don't know how much of that is going to Banksy himself, but probably very little, but I just, I think the power structure of the art world like to create this caste system or this yeah. this architecture to facilitate perpetrate its own self-interest exactly right. well there's th- there is the thing called the art market yeah <laughs> so right. if everything had the same value yeah you couldn't have a market you know right. and i kind of look at like art maybe i guess like like the way you were describing it right now it made me think of like cars mm. right if you tell someone like, hey, um, let's go in your car somewhere or, you know, let's just grab your car or what do you drive? You know, no one just says, oh, I have a car or some people say I have a car. Yeah, I have a car. But like there's a joke somewhere about like, how do you know if someone owns a Prius? Hmm. Because they tell you they own a Prius. <laughs> right? Right. And so it's Tesla like... Tesla too for that matter. Tesla and, you know. Yeah. And yeah. That, that's what I'm talking about. It's yeah. like, you know, there's people who are always going to be at like at that level. That That's that's why they're... That's why they got that car. So they can tell people they got that car. That's why they got this painting. So they can tell people they have this painting, you know. Mm. So I think we're never going to get rid of that. But but here's like, an, like the value of what art means to somebody is different than than just the market. So, for example, if someone had a painting and they said, oh, this is precious, I paid $1.4 million for it, right? Now, is that more valid than the guy who has a little fucking sunset of when he proposed to his wife on the beach in fucking Hawaii and he says, 
oh yeah, this this painting's priceless. Like I'll never sell this painting because right. this is where I proposed to my wife. Right. What has more value? What what is it? Those are different values, right? Because the one has emotional value. Right. The other has maybe no emotional value at all. It's just a commercial. So now play. is it art? <laughs> so that gets back to the point. So what is art? Does it? What if if it moves you? Is that art? Or does it have? Or or if there's a price tag to it, is that art? Well, I mean, I guess kind of gets back to whether or not you're a burner, right? I mean, the point <laughs> is, is that you know it's art because it was made by an artist. If the artist says it's art, then it's art. Yeah. You know, these other things are the extra stuff. You know, as soon as it enters into the market, mm-hmm. right? You know, what is the intent and the motivation of the person acquiring that art? Right? Is it purely a investment right they don't have an emotional attachment to anything but the money right or is it the emotional attachment to the art itself because it was connected to something very special to them or what have you you know all kinds of currencies right there's all kinds of values uh Mm -hmm. systems art can hit on all of that and that's what's so fascinating because personally when i sell a painting Mm -hmm. if i put a painting online and someone just clicked it clicked on it and bought it and it got shipped to them and I never met them. Great. I got some money. Okay. Whatever. But when I have a collector who comes to my studio, you know, looks at all my work, asks questions, we hang out, we talk about shit and then he buys a painting. Like that's way more valuable to me Yep. as an artist Yep. to have someone who's like, this guy really digs my work mm-hmm. and and now we're connected on an, on another level yeah. and you know most of my collectors become my friends yeah. just in general you know that's kind of the you know the natural kind of thing and and that's way more fulfilling i think than just selling a bunch of shit online or anywhere else and never having a connection with the with the buyer sure. you know so but then again you know would i sell a million dollar painting to somebody i didn't know fuck yeah <laughs> right. But but I don't know. It's not going to have that same connection. I don't know. It's weird. It's nuanced and it's complicated and it's messy. And it's, you know, I think that's the, the kind of the beauty of it. <laughs> There's, I mean, okay. So you said, well, what is art? Right. Yeah. And I said, well, art is, the artist says it's art. Art artist made it. You know, are you a burner if you go to Burning? You know, what? Yeah. You know. So behind you, there is a piece uh, hanging on the wall here in the Not Real Art studio. Yeah. That to me is a precious piece of art, okay? Mm-hmm. But it's all in how it came to me or how it... Yeah. And to the to the extent that art is is in the process, you know, is made in the process, right? right? And for our listeners who can't see what... Although if you go to our Instagram account, you'll be able to see it at Not Real Art Official. But on the wall in the Not Real Art Studio is a you know, fairly large frame. Was it three by four, something like that, four by five, containing uh, a piece of plywood painted blue and yellow with the words star maps here, right? right. It's a blue background on the plywood with the yellow letters. And it is essentially from Sunset Boulevard. They've seen, you know, people that have seen any movie in L.A., Hollywood or music video, they've probably seen 
these signs. So if they've been to Hollywood, they've seen these signs, star maps here, you buy them, you, you, you stop, you buy a star map to go right. see the celebrities' homes or whatever. And when I moved to LA in 01, I wanted one of those signs right. for my own enjoyment in my own office, you know? And I had made several attempts to buy one of these signs. Mm -hmm. And I would pull over and was rejected every time. Initially, it was a language barrier because I couldn't speak Spanish. Right. So then even one day I, I, I took a friend with me who could speak Spanish and the guys would not sell me because I was trying to give them like a hundred bucks. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. A hundred bucks. They wouldn't do it. No. Wouldn't do it. No. Now, I'm guessing they wouldn't do it because they were scared for their jobs or whatever yeah. the case might be. But like that a hundred dollars and I might have even offered them more, but I know I started at a hundred bucks, but yeah. it was like, it was a no go, you yeah. know? And I was so bummed, right? I was so bummed that I couldn't get this sign. Well, as fate would have it, one night I'm driving down Sunset Boulevard through Westwood. Okay. And yeah. it's dusk. It's like, you yeah. know, six or seven o'clock, whatever, and the sun's going down. And I pull up to the stoplight. And I forget now the cross street, but Sunset Boulevard, right at Westwood. Maybe it was Westwood. And I see one of these guys ditching a sign in the bushes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Boy. <laughs> <laughs> what a stroke of luck yeah of intel you know yeah so but of course i can't make a move now no, you gotta wait yeah so i go home i wait for the sun to set of course and around midnight <laughs> i organize a a seal team six like mission <laughs> to go extract this this package right you know? <laughs> and i get to westwood there's no one on the street. It's like, you know, it's like no yeah. one's like, you know, yeah. and I pull over and I run, you know, through the bushes. I get over there where we're and no kidding. There's not one sign. There's not two signs. <laughs> there's like six signs yeah. just stashed, yeah. you know, that's the spot. Well, of course. I mean, the mother load. Yeah. You got the yeah. motherfucking load. I got, I ain't gonna lie. I got excited. I got greedy. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, should I take them all? I'm like, no, I can't take them all. I'll take two. I'll take two. So I yeah. grab two. Right. right. Go through the bushes, get to my car, throw them in the back seat. Yeah. Take off. I get home, pull the signs out, stash them in my garage. Yeah. Hit the hay. Yeah. I wake up the next morning and you would think that I'd be so proud, so, so happy that I had that I had extracted the package successfully. Yeah. No one got killed. No right. one got hurt. Right. No one got wounded. Yeah, it was successful. However, that was not how I felt. No. Because I'm a bitch ass fucking punk sometimes. <laughs> I actually started feeling badly that I had taken more than one. <laughs> yeah. Because I started thinking about that gentleman. Yeah. Who was gonna go back and realize that two of his signs have been taken? And it's right. like, yeah, I mean, that, I who, swear to God, I put him here. Who? What, what is that guy gonna get fired? Is he gonna get deported? Is he gonna? Well, who yeah. knows? Like, what? What did What's I just do? Yeah. Okay. Now you would think that any, if I, you know, any thinking normal person would feel that way and go like, ah, I gotta return him. Yeah. You know? 
but I'm not a thinking normal person. I am a fucked up individual okay? <laughs> because I decide, well, you know what? I feel really bad, but not that bad. <laughs> I'm just going to return one. <laughs> so how does that make any sense? I don't know. Exactly. How because sense. I'm a fucking idiot. That's how it okay. makes sense. Yeah. So later that night, yeah, you I would- take one of those fucking signs. <laughs> I go back. I plan it back. Okay? Yeah. But I keep one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the sign hanging behind you framed yeah. is this sign that I managed to find, steal, and keep. Yeah. And to me, it is a priceless <laughs> icon- piece of iconic history. Yeah. LA history. Is it art? It is to me. Right. Did I make it? Kind of. <laughs> Not really, but kind of. Right. <laughs> But it is absolutely one of my favorite pieces. Right. It took about five years to complete that yeah, work. Right. Right. I started in like oh one oh two. Right. And I ended up with it in like oh five oh six. It takes time to create good art sometimes. <laughs> well, you know what's funny is yeah, I don't think I've told you this before, but so one time I went to Mexico, I went to a, a lucha libre mm. match. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, this was in um, in Querétaro, Mexico. And after the match, the guy that was kind of showing me around, he took me to kind of like the backstage area or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we had all these posters, like all the posters, they stick all up all over the city. So him and his friends go and put them up. You know, they work with the local Lucha Libre place or whatever. And so they'll go put them up every week. And so he was just showing them to me and he gave me a bunch of posters. He like rolled them up and, you know, they're like on newsprint, like shitty, right? But they're yeah. just in yeah. Spanish and it just has the, whatever the, the match was that, that week or whatever. So I, you know, he gave me like a roll. And I remember when I came back and we met up. Yeah. And then I showed them to you. Yeah. And you were like, oh, dude, that's fucking awesome. I want one of those. Yes. Right. And it was so funny because I never told you this before, but. So I gave I gave you the poster you or whatever. Gave you I gave, gave you two. Gave they're, okay. fra- they're framed and they're downstairs. Exactly. So the next time that I saw them, they were framed in your house. Yeah. And at that moment, I was like, "Holy shit, that's fucking art!" That's right. You know. Right. And I would have never thought to frame them. Yeah. Because to me, they're just like these shitty posters yeah. from Mexico. It's kind of like it's cool that I have them. It's just kind of like part yeah. of my trip. Right. Right. But. I would have never thought to to hang them. Like it just, <laughs> yeah. it's just not, you know, it's like whatever. So after when I saw you frame them, I was like, they look pretty fucking cool. That motherfucker. That motherfucker, <laughs> you know? And I was like, this fucking gentrifier, <laughs> you know? White privilege uh, had a good idea. <laughs> White fucking privilege, you know? This appropriation of my culture. Yes, yes. But I do, I got to admit, it looked cool in the frame. So I still haven't framed mine, but I will. Dude, it, it look, I mean, it's so funny <laughs> that you say that because I mean, I, to me, when you, when I saw them, as you know, I mean, like to me, they were just these exotic pieces yeah. of culture. They were, they were pieces of culture, like pure, pure yeah. pieces of culture. And I just love them because they were so authentic and so totally. like, you know, pure. And, um, and that was it for me. And it's yeah. like, to me, cause to me that gets <laughs> to at least, and again, everyone is different, but like for me, that's where I find that's the art that speaks to me, you know, when it, I mean, lots of art speaks to me, but, but, right. but there's got to be, 
a level of cultural integrity and purity and authenticity. And those words are overused, but you yeah. know, these days, but you know, my point, like, right. it's just got to feel like, and, and so I'm, I love those pieces and I'm yeah. so grateful you gave them to me, but I have always gravitated to those kinds of artifacts, those sure. cultural artifacts, right. you know, because there's a humanity to them mm-hmm. and there's a warmth and a love. At least I sense the love to, you know, and in the, you know, that, that just resonates. And right. I've fantasized over the years about doing a road trip across the country to collect mm-hmm. what I'll call, you know, handmade communication. Yeah. Handmade signs. You know, okay, you see, yeah. you'll see these a lot, you know, in rural areas or back, roads or you know small towns and the the level of sometimes they're funny sometimes they're set sometimes they're they're well made sometimes they're poorly made right but you know them when you see them because there's some charm there's a charm about them right you know this you know these handmade you know communications whether they're signs maybe a lot of them tend to be maybe marketing related they're trying to advertise something or what have you and i always thought it would just would be really fun to kind of go around and collect and curate a show right because it's americana at least within you know chris you could do it probably in any country yeah. if you knew that language and understood the context of the culture but at least in this country for me as an american it would just be like a slice of life americana curating some americana right but yeah those those are special signs to me it's funny you mentioned that because i'm currently uh collecting signs myself oh yeah yeah and i have this whole project that i want to do two projects one is more like a usage of these signs as art mm-hmm. and then another one is i'm going to create these signs to put them out in the wild they kind of stem from the same idea but i started noticing signs around la and i'm not going to get too much into it because i i still haven't finished my collection sure yeah, <laughs> so i don't right. want to yeah. <laughs> other people steal my idea but i started noticing a lot of signs around la that no longer give any direction right. or don't they, they don't function right but they're still up and they've right. been up for years right right and, and i'm like why has no one taken that shit down <laughs> right it's that you know yeah and it's just like it becomes part of the landscape sure it's like there's a tree and maybe the tree dies, but no one goes and cuts it. Right. It's still there. Right. And that's how people treat these signs. So uh, I've been collecting them and I have a whole idea of a show I want to do. I love that. With all these signs that, cool. and, and I'm still debating whether do I get these signs and incorporate them to my, you know, with my work mm. or do I get these signs and just individually frame them as art? Right. I don't know yet. Right. I'm, I'm still debating, but but I've been collecting all these signs mm-hmm. and there's more to it than that, but mm-hmm. that's the basic premise of, mm-hmm. of these signs. And so in reverse, what I want to do is I want to start populating the city with signs that are fucking pointless. <laughs> so it's kind of a two prong effort, you know? Sure. So I'm going to be collecting the shit that no one, because I figured, you know what? No one cares about this shit. Right. It's been up there for years and right. no one's saying anything. Right. I might as well trade it out for some of my shit <laughs> that no one's going to say anything about anyway. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so I'm working on that series right now. It's, it's probably going to take a while, but it just makes me laugh. Like, you know, seeing that on the street and just like, oh my God, like, what the fuck are we doing? <laughs> like, it's just, it's just absurd the fucking world we live in and what we accept and don't accept. You know, right. So, 
but you know but i think graffiti's like that it's interesting what is interesting about the signs that i've discovered as i'm as i navigate the city looking mm. for these signs mm. i rarely find these signs in beverly hills or sure. in high-end communities yeah, right because they really care about their community yeah now where people quote unquote don't care about their community wherever that is right wherever people don't have money or whatever right, right. these fucking signs are everywhere right sure it's like fucking wildlife yeah and like that's wh- another statement so i would love to fucking put them back <laughs> into the wealthy neighborhoods oh my god that'd be amazing <laughs> except I'm, I'm sure i'll get arrested and and yeah thrown in jail yeah, but or, that's the price you pay that's, for that's, being an artist yeah you know? it's, it's a you've it's a masterpiece. You yeah. got to pay the price. Unless I pay you to do it. Uh, you don't have that much money. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, by the way, my white privilege, you will have to pay me because I won't get arrested. No, well, that, that was my point. That's why I was going to hire you. I was going to hire you for the got white it. privilege. Okay, I got it. Okay. But I yes. forgot white yes, privilege yes. comes with the price. Yes, yes. No, that's right. That's right. Well, yeah. <laughs> No, well, first of all, to be clear, I that's the line I just gave you about you don't have enough money. Like that's my canned answer for any time anybody ever says I should hire you to do. I'm like you can't afford me. Right, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because you never know. Maybe yeah. they'll go like name your price, and you know yeah. suddenly I'm you know. So it was a canned answer. But then as I thought it through, I'm like, no, that's right. I I can do this shit <laughs> yeah. and just get away with it because I'm a fucking uh, white guy. You remember when you stole the that fucking piece there? The yeah. oh yeah, the star maps. Yeah, star maps. Yeah, you know I couldn't have stole that piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> if you had been SEAL Team like, you know, you 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 might get, would have gotten away with it because it was under the cover of darkness, yeah. and I was using you know yeah. state of the art technology, my Volkswagen Jetta. <laughs> but yes, no, uh, the Beverly Hills thing. I you know my whiteness will definitely help. <laughs> it will definitely help. <laughs> yeah, that, that might be a. That might be a project we got we got to do. All right. Well, let's uh, continue to work on that project. <laughs> and before we go today, because, uh, you know, we feds are going to revoke our license here if we uh, don't wrap it up soon. Yeah. But want to remind our faithful, loyal, lovely, beautiful listeners to show us some love on social media. Follow us at Not Real Art Official on Instagram. Subscribe to the podcast and comment, like, and share can get to it through notrealart.com or anywhere you find your podcast. And then, of course, there's always the hotline, 833-NOT-REAL. Tell us your wildest dreams. We'll be listening. (laughs) All right, man, Juan. Sourdough. Peace. Out.